your next team workshop delivered the results you hoped for? What if everyone believed that the working session was a valuable use of their time and felt inspired to take action? My name is Miriam Hapness and it is my mission to help you to deliver workshops that work. Today with me on the show is Megan Mathieu. She is a founder, facilitator and change maker and she used to have a life as a corporate strategy consultant. Today we're going to talk about conflict and how to make conflict your alley. Hi Meg. Hey Miriam. Good to have you here. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, how are you doing today? I'm feeling pretty good. Cool. Yeah. And we're going to talk about conflict. Yeah, very juicy topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I just um, introduced you as a facilitator and change maker. And you founded Empatico. Yes. Which is maybe a movement more than an organization or a business where you try to facilitate or drive cultural change in organizations. So how did you go from corporate strategy consultant <laughs> to change maker? <laughs> It's a really good question, actually. Um, you know, I started my career in a little bit of a zigzag. Mm -hmm. So my educational background is in psychology mm -hmm. and what has always drawn me, uh, attracted me as people. Mm -hmm. thinking about people, thinking about group dynamics, thinking about how to empower people. So I started my career actually in finance and accounting, mm -hmm. <laughs> which to many people think is the opposite of uh, people stuff. Um, but I was in a consulting role. And so what I saw was I was basically the the differentiating factor between failure and success mm. was allowing teams to operate in a really efficient, collaborative manner. And it was really interesting because at the company I was at, it was very structured. Mm -hmm. And in some way, there was not a lot that you could play around with the process. Mm -hmm. But there was always this, yeah, X factor in teams that I worked with or led that were really cohesive mm -hmm. and then those that, yeah, you just were getting through the grind. And this made a huge difference because we were in an industry where we were working, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks. Mm -hmm. We had no social life outside of work. So if things weren't like interesting or fun or connected. I mean, it was a horrible experience. Oh my goodness. How did you find balance? <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm fortunate in that sense to be like this super interested, super curious person um, that I could use those skills of mm -hmm. connecting with people or creating environments mm -hmm. for connection in this, yeah, in this environment where it wasn't necessarily expected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it became actually... Um, a dif differentiator for myself as well. Mm -hmm. So I became sort of recognized in the firm as someone who was connecting people, as someone who was, you know, a, a positive contributor, mm -hmm. looking on the bright side, finding solutions to problems rather than just, you know, sticking through the grind. And I think, you know, I wasn't technically, I wasn't the best. <laughs> I'll admit that. That's what she says. <laughs> But um, 
but yeah, I, I made huge leaps and bounds from like a team management Mm -hmm. perspective. And that led me into wanting to work more with teams and more with change. And that's, so I left the field of finance and accounting Mm -hmm. and went into a change management role Mm -hmm. in a strategy consulting firm. And Ah, it's so funny because what comes to my mind, we're talking about conflict here, is uh, one of the things that's super important is about aligning your expectations mm-hmm. to yeah. what the environment is. And I was naive at the time. I was thinking, I'm going into a change management role and I'm excited about change. <laughs> I was really, really excited. Oh, I can see the conflict coming. <laughs> I was really excited to make things happen Mm -hmm. and do it fast. And I had all of these ideas and I was so excited to be outside of um, what was very explicitly a structured process that wasn't going to change at Mm -hmm. my former job that I went into this change management role and said, I want to change everything. Let's (laughs) let's go. Right. Not taking into consideration that it was, you know, at the time it was a 15,000 employee organization (laughs) with 83 offices in 46 countries and we needed to, every change that we were going to make organizationally had to have the buy-in and the trickle down of all of these different players that Mm -hmm. each had their own perspective and so that was, I think, one of the biggest insights for me when I went into that job, actually both about myself and about the environment, this Mm -hmm. notion that I really valued at that time in my career being able to make a contribution and to play around with things. Mm -hmm. And that environment wasn't conducive to that. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, when we talk about conflict, I think conflict is actually (laughs) incredible um, despite the fact, you know, that it's also quite scary. Um, but to me, conflict is a catalyst for personal insights, mm-hmm. organizational change, and yeah, like actually team connection. Mm-hmm. Which sounds counterintuitive in the first place. <laughs> and um, I hope to hear more about that. Yeah. So when you say... Conflict has um, can create the safe sp- can create connection. Yeah. What do you mean by that? So when we think about safe space, what comes to my mind is that what is in the room is welcome. Mm-hmm. And when there's a feeling that something is in the room and it's not welcome, mm-hmm. it's not a safe space. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why it's so important to almost tee up your team environments to say this is a space where conflict is mm-hmm. is welcome um and and not just yeah i think there's there's in addition to saying that it's welcome to bring tools so that people feel like they have um what they need in order to resolve that conflict and how to deal with the conflict in the first place. Yeah. So would you define some ground rules on how to bring it to the table? Maybe the first question would be, what are the elements that trigger conflict? Yeah, that's a really good uh, good question. To me, what's and this is where the insight comes in as well. Like Conflict is a difference of 
at first assumptions, Mm -hmm. it can be a communication difference, but often conflicts are a difference of values or needs. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this is where the power of conflict as a reflective tool, even, even when you, let me step back. So we think about conflict and we think about resolving conflict. Mm-hmm. So let's get get all of the uh, uncomfortable feelings out of the room. <laughs> let's just deal with this so that we can go back to feeling good and happy and whatever, right? Um, there's a step that comes before that feeling. And often this feeling of let's just resolve the conflict to get the bad feelings mm-hmm. out is in a way still denying conflict. So you would... Would this mean that we tend to avoid the conflict and then when it arises, we deny it? Yeah, deny it or find ways to like say that we've resolved the conflict, Mm -hmm. but it's actually just that we're uncomfortable with what's going on. And so the energy stays, right? Mm -hmm. And I think this is why it's also super important to... Actually, people talk about, okay, don't bring emotions into the workplace or don't bring emotions into anything that's not like a, a you know, romantic relationship or something mm-hmm. like that. But um, emotions is, is, is where the energy lies. And if we, yes. if we deny our emotions, they are still in there. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, guys. We can't. Uh... So, so in that sense, if we deny our emotions, they stay in our body as energy Mm -hmm. and we can't get past that. If we give space for our emotions in, in a conflict situation, we can allow that to sort of dissipate and then go into the problem solving action steps. What do I need from you next step? Right. So to take a step back, um, you mentioned that differences in values and beliefs trigger conflict. Yes. So you would, how would you then approach that? Would you get all the beliefs and values on the table or would you define some ground rules on how to react whenever you realize that there is potential for conflict coming on? Or do you just spontaneously deal with conflict uh, when you feel the tension in the room? (laughs) Great questions. Yeah, definitely. I think that there are, so... I want to break it up into a a couple of different chunks. First, there's sort of the self-awareness, self-reflection piece. Mm -hmm. The second is the communication tools that you can use Mm -hmm. to make that connection with the other person. And then the third is like actually actions, behaviors, what's going to be done, Mm -hmm. right? So in that first section, the reflective part, it's always something that we have control over, right? Mm -hmm. Even if someone's not ready to meet us or um, we, we start to feel some sense of resentment or negativity, but we also understand that there isn't space for that at the time, we can always go into this reflective mode, mm-hmm. which is about, okay, what, do, what am I learning about myself in this moment? What does this say about my needs and values? And would you ask this explicit questions? So I imagine you standing in a room with participants in a workshop in a business context. Would you ask these questions? So I would say I do this a lot when I manage teams. Mm-hmm. As a project manager, I 
basically, number one, get get the notion that conflict is going to come up in these teams mm-hmm. regardless of mm-hmm. what the process is. I've worked with enough teams on enough different projects mm-hmm. that it's it's just part of, you know, the work. And mm-hmm. the more that I get into creative work, mm-hmm. you know, designing workshops, facilitating workshops, designing learning experiences, mm-hmm. this creative work actually is an environment where conflict is bound to happen because mm-hmm. it's not about this is the right way and this is the wrong way, mm-hmm. right? So the first notion is just getting it out in the open saying, okay, guys, we're going to work together for X amount of time, six weeks, a year, whatever. This is how I've seen the process happen. And these are the points mm-hmm. that I probably anticipate conflict to happen. Ah, okay. So, mm-hmm. and, and, what you can do also as a facilitator, especially if you're facilitating like change, uh, change processes or transformation work or whatever, right? <laughs> to call that out in the beginning to say, there's going to be some chaos. Yeah. It might be uncomfortable, mm-hmm. but we want to have this space as an opportunity. And yeah, like, like you said, I would definitely say like, think about and some people have you know we have different abilities to reflect but think about how when you're in this moment Mm -hmm. of chaos or of conflict or of resistance what's going on for me what am I learning about myself and what is the other person reflecting that I have in myself that causes me to react so emotionally (laughs) yeah exactly myself yeah and it's I never thought about it, but when you just mentioned it, that especially the creative process will lead to conflict by definition because there's no right or wrong. There's not only one way to go. <laughs> so I always thought, and I think I'm not alone, um, I hope so, <laughs> um, that when we think of design thinking and all these creative workshops, and especially when I think of your workshops with Empatico, where it's a lot about play, a lot about joy, um, and the inner child in yourself, this in first intuition, it contradicts the concept of conflict. But actually, then we get married to our ideas, our creative ideas that we want to see t- to happen. And then there are all these other people who have different ideas and <laughs> have different beliefs and values. Yes. Well, it's interesting because we, so we built Empatico with this notion of we want to be a catalyst for human connection Mm -hmm. in the world, in the workplace. Um, We want to empower people to design how they interact with each other. And this is where culture becomes a huge Mm -hmm. piece. But I also have a lot, I'm a very practical person and I have a lot of aversion to sort of the the kumbaya nature of (laughs) things like saying we're a company built on connection. So of course the first thing that we wanted to deal with when thinking about building a company on connection was when do we feel disconnected and how can we use Mm -hmm. this? um, and, And that's why I think conflict is so paradoxical because when we avoid conflict, when we sense there's something that, you need from me or I need from you and we're not expressing that, Mm -hmm. it is the ultimate form of disconnection. Yes. Then there's this elephant in the room that everyone tries to ignore 
and sucks energy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you can't get past it in some way. Like as an individual, mm -hmm. your, your attention, if your energy is still there, mm -hmm. is still going to this person or this idea or this instance mm -hmm. where you felt not heard or denied. Yeah. It, it's, um, because the other thing is our emotions are, they are, magnets for attention mm -hmm. right when we have an emotional experience we also remember it much mm -hmm. more clearly yes. than yeah. other experiences so it's it's an indicator of okay pay attention to this ah, so it's a real deep-rooted instinct of ours yeah so in case you kept or you get the sense of such an elephant in the womb yeah would you point it out would you say that you feel it and ask the participants how they perceive it or how do you deal with it yeah i think um so i think the friendliest way to do mm -hmm. this um knowing that it's an uncomfortable topic is to bring things up as um as trends as as general senses mm -hmm. so for example this is why it's super important in this process to say something like okay, we're going to be working in a creative process. Mm -hmm. When I've run workshops before, sometimes I've noticed that, you know, people um, go into, for example, uh, a consensus mm -hmm. building mode, which mm -hmm. is basically nobody is telling their real opinion. Everybody is trying to be nice. Conflict, of Conflict aversion, yeah. right? So, um, so I would frame it in a sense of not like, not that it's a personal thing about the group, mm -hmm. but there is just a general mm -hmm. sense of this is what happens mm -hmm. and what we can do. Like, what do you guys need in order to find that space? So I think, um, to build on that, that goes into this second phase, which is the communication tools. Mm -hmm. So once I feel conflict and I reflect on what's really going on for me, you mm -hmm. know, what's triggering me mm -hmm. that I need to express and what are the underlying needs and values, then you can use communication tools mm -hmm. in order to make sure that that's clearly spoken or that you are hearing someone clearly, mm -hmm. right? So on the giving end, um, we use a lot of nonviolent communication mm -hmm. um, tools. Are you familiar with that process? Um, I heard about it before, but maybe you want to just give us a brief summary for the audience who might not know. Yeah, yeah. Before we continue the show, let me take a brief moment to thank our sponsor, Session Lab. Are you using Excel or Word to prepare and schedule your workshops? Try something that is designed for facilitators. With an easy-to-use drag-and-drop agenda builder, SessionLab allows you to be free and creative in your workshop process design. SessionLab also comes with an immense built-in library of workshop activities and facilitation techniques to help you to find new inspiration for your sessions. Stop messing with spreadsheets and focus on designing engaging workshops. Try it as SessionLab.com. I wouldn't recommend it if I didn't believe in its value myself. So the process of nonviolent communication starts with stating an observation. Mm -hmm. So this is important that you stick to the facts, mm -hmm. right? So in the case, for example, of someone coming in late to work, mm -hmm. you say, mm -hmm. you came I in late to work, <laughs> right? <laughs> Everybody knows that one. Um, 
Instead so, of you're always late. Right, exactly. Oh, yes. to get up on time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So you came in late to work. Step one. Step two, the feeling, the feeling that you have mm-hmm. as a result of that action or behavior. And it's important to recognize that your feelings are always valid. Mm-hmm. So, right, mm-hmm. you came into work and I felt frustrated. Mm-hmm. Because I wanted to get started early and I yeah. wanted to leave early maybe. And wanted to leave early and I felt frustrated mm-hmm. and disappointed. Mm-hmm. Step number three, your need or underlying value. Mm. Here is a crossover. Okay. So um, you could say something like, you know, I value that when we agree on, you know, a time Mm -hmm. that we stick to that. Mm -hmm. I value clear communication. Mm -hmm. I value transparency and I value responsibility, Mm -hmm. right? When Mm -hmm. you say something that you're going to do it or you follow up with me, right? Naming it as a value also phrase it in a way that is more approachable instead of I expect or I want or... I disrespect and then stating the opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, exactly. Which many of us do out of just instinct. Yeah. Or <laughs> it's what's most present yeah. for us, yeah. you know, because we are fixated on... That's how we do things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, can you, how can you show up late? Yeah, you should be on time. Right. Says who. Yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. So... Um, So that's step three, sort of expressing your need or value. And then the step four, also very important, is your specific request of that person. Mm. So this is something that's actionable, something that they can do almost immediately, if Mm -hmm. not maybe tomorrow or the next Mm -hmm. day. And it's something that creates, yeah, something tangible Mm -hmm. as opposed to leaving things in the air, right? So helping the other one. So I'm here with you yes. and I'm willing to constructively help to change this behavior that contradicts my values. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's so funny that you mentioned that too, because if you get into like, I guess, more advanced <laughs> skills in uh, conflict management, you can actually co-create mm-hmm. that request. Mm-hmm. So if we're working together and I say, well, what I would request is that next time you don't show up late Mm -hmm. and you say to me, well, there are going to be some times that I'm going to show up late or I value my family Mm -hmm. and sometimes that, you know, results in delays. But what I could offer is that when I am late, I will give you a heads up. Yeah. I'll communicate it to you or I'll Maybe we could have a window of time that's, you know, so you can start to get creative. Mm -hmm. And I think this is also another reason why conflict is so powerful because conflict is problem solving. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And when you can meet someone in a loving place, um, valuing both your feelings and their perspective, Mm then you can be creative together and then yeah it's it can be it can be incredible for the creative process because mm-hmm. you're you're not always thinking about the default mode you're thinking about how can i meet this person where they're at mm-hmm. outside of my normal 
way of operating that mm-hmm. still works for me. And it goes into a negotiation direction where you really have to be very clear and specific of your own needs and wants and your restrictions and then to find a common ground. So if you're forced to reflect on your own wants, this also helps the other person, then something new can emerge out of this negotiation, basically. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So funnily, when I think of, of this sort of conversation, for me, it doesn't sound like conflict anymore. Mm. So <laughs> I have the impression that we really need to distinguish. Either it would make sense to have a definition of what is actually conflict. Yeah. Um, and then maybe also distinguish what is a healthy and what is an unhealthy conflict. Mm. So what if this conflict derails? Yeah. And how yeah. can it derail? Mm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so... To answer your first question about what is conflict, um, this notion, again, I think it still comes back to a difference or an assumed difference of opinion, perspective, value. Mm-hmm. And the conflict that we think of, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when people think about conflict, they go into like these emotional explosion mm-hmm. situations they've been in. So... But it still stems from this same foundation. Mm -hmm. The reason why you have this explosion often is because conflict is not addressed or resolved. Mm -hmm. And I think this is the real distinction between healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. Mm -hmm. So unhealthy conflict is conflict that is not addressed or is Mm -hmm. conflict that is not resolved. And the, the way that I like to frame this sort of Uh, dark side of conflict Mm -hmm. is on two perspectives, right? One is complete denial, Mm -hmm. denial Mm -hmm. of yourself or denial of the other or denial of what's in the room. And this is where a lot of passive aggressiveness also (laughs) comes out, right? Um, I'm okay. I'm okay. It's fine. I'm not angry. Yeah. Let's just continue. Let it go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's still there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so that piece, right, that's all about denial and like ignoring what's in the room. That's the elephant in the room, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. On the other perspective, you have what I would call like the explosive conflict, Mm -hmm. which ultimately everyone is trying to avoid that. Mm -hmm. So you can actually have this dynamic between the denial and the explosion, like oscillating between these because explosive conflict from what I've observed often comes from a denial of our own feelings Mm -hmm. all of a sudden our gut intuition our need our value that we feel or in reality there is no space for Mm -hmm. needs to come out Mm -hmm. we don't have the tools we don't give ourselves the space or someone else hasn't given us the space to express that Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden it comes out right energy and motion yes emotion exactly exactly and that when left unaddressed can be completely destructive how would you deal with that if it does happen it's it's a really good question i think I haven't dealt as much with it in workshops Mm -hmm. as I have with as a project manager when you're in the weeds, right? Where you have less control on the process as well. Yeah, exactly. And also, yeah, 
people are working together in a sense that they're in a project Mm -hmm. and yeah, there's, there's a lot of stress when it comes Mm -hmm. to project management. So, um, what, what I would do is typically number one is about giving people space and time Mm -hmm. to process their emotions. Mm -hmm. I, I'm saying this because I've learned from experience. (laughs) Our temptation is always to dive deeper in and get more defensive and um, meet anger with anger and um, need to make our point heard. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it's just, it's so hard. We are in that emotional space and our emotions need time to be released Mm -hmm. but it doesn't work to necessarily release them in each other's company (laughs) so I think in some way like maybe not calling it a timeout but like some sort of timeout Mm -hmm. for the parties involved Mm -hmm. just so that they can relax Mm -hmm. and also if there is space allow them to figure out what is it that really came up for them that triggered this Mm -hmm. and if they can again if there's space after the emotions settle down, if they can discover what is it that I need, what is it that I value Mm -hmm. that I feel like is being denied here, Mm -hmm. right? So what I think is also important to note is that it's by sort of giving people some time to process emotions is not about denying their emotions. Mm -hmm. It's actually about giving space for that. It's not saying, okay, emotions not welcome here, go figure yourself out and then come back when you're calm, right? That's like sort of the parent-kid thing, you know? Go to your room and then come back when you're like going to be a rational adult talking to me, you know? The the framing is super important. So it's more about you have strong emotions. They are signaling to you a lot of things that Mm -hmm. may not be tangible yet. Give yourself some time to let it go, you know? So if I translate this into a workshop environment this would mean calling a break say okay let's take 10 minutes break and then come back together and then maybe have small small groups discussing the topics or in a non-violent way yeah I think it depends also on where the conflict arises Mm -hmm. so is it a conflict between two people is it a conflict between you and the group that's also a possibility Mm -hmm. right Um, is it a conflict in the group in general? Mm -hmm. So depending on where the issue is, sometimes if it's a conflict just between a couple of people, Mm -hmm. you can still keep the process of the workshop going Mm -hmm. and just spend some time with them or have them go into a space and ask them what they need, right? Do they need time away from the workshop? Do they need... Um, do they need your facilitation of yeah. a conversation? Do they just want to like put it on the back burner for the day? Mm-hmm. Because the other thing is like we talk about the importance of resolving conflict, but sometimes there's just no space for mm-hmm. it. So it's more about having people commit to, okay, we don't want to deal with this right now, yeah. but we will come back yeah. at a fixed time and place to work through this. And I would love to talk more about that before doing that yeah you just mentioned that there are two sorts of conflict and one of them is your your conflict as a facilitator with the group 
wow, this sounds <laughs> so uncomfortable and scary. How could we deal with that if we have the impression that it's about us as facilitators that we have a conflict? Mm, yeah, it's a good question. I think I think a lot of this has to do with our assumptions about as facilitators about what is needed and then what's actually needed. And it's a tricky balance, right? Because in some sense, we are trying to push people outside of their comfort zones, have them mm. be in chaos, have them be in a process that's not super comfortable for them. Mm -hmm. So sometimes those emotions just come out directed towards us as a facilitator, mm -hmm. even though it's a frustration with the process. Mm -hmm. So it is a delicate balance because I definitely don't advocate... Um, as a facilitator, looking at yourself and saying, oh my gosh, if there's people that don't like me, then I'm doing something wrong. Mm -hmm. I think that, that that's a very destabilizing position to be in. Um, but if you are secure in yourself and you're a confident creative facilitator and you sense that something is in the room, I think the easiest way to bring that elephant out is to mm -hmm. say, I sense that there is something that you guys need. Mm-hmm what's what's in this is there something that you need that isn't being there isn't space for this mm -hmm. in the workshop mm -hmm. so in that sense it becomes framed in a positive way not like hey do you guys have feedback for me because then that can go into like <laughs> arrow slinging defensive yeah exactly yeah. and I think the other thing you can do if you want honest feedback typically you connect with like one or two people mm -hmm. um I, I do this often when I facilitate. I try and connect with individuals that are coming into the workshop mm -hmm. in the very beginning, just as a personal, it's super important. If you don't yeah. feel connected to totally. the group, then you're like sort of off on your own anyways. So during a break, you could check in mm -hmm. with one or two of those people and say like, something's going on. Do mm -hmm. you sense that? Do you have any feedback for me? Mm -hmm. Um, so, but yeah, I, I think in, especially in bigger groups, I wouldn't recommend like sort of putting yourself on the, the big screen mm -hmm. to say like, what do you guys not like about me or what I'm doing? Mm -hmm. um, does, does that answer your question? Absolutely. Or, yeah. And it um, makes me also smile because in an interview I had with Jeremy that was released last week, I think, yeah, he said that he would, in order to deal with his own insecurity or discomfort he would not ask if i got him correctly he wouldn't ask the question okay do you have feedback for me but he would just put his own discomfort out there and say okay listen guys i feel super uncomfortable now because i have the impression that you have a problem with me facilitating or i can feel the conflict yeah um what's your take on that yeah um and I admire him for his gut to do that, to mm. just throw it out there. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I do see the value because he would then, yeah, set the stage and lead by example. Yeah. Putting his own feelings there. Yeah. And then just see what comes back. And maybe everyone says, well, no, we had a different sensation. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's super powerful. Yeah. And if you do that from a secure place, like from mm -hmm. an experimental mm -hmm. place, yeah. right? I'm here. 
we're here to figure out what works best for transformation or for the goal of the workshop. And I sense that there's something that's off that's not allowing us to get there. Which is a totally different mindset, a different situation as if you come from an insecure place where you say, oh, I feel uncomfortable. Do you have some feedback? Please tell me what you want me to change. Yeah. So if you're asking them to change and to, if you're willing to adjust yourself to their needs, if you try to please too much, maybe you're giving up responsibility and control. Yes. And that's a very scary place yeah. to be. And I think this was exactly what Steph explained uh, when we talked about the clown. Okay. The clown doesn't try to please because otherwise he gives up responsibility. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, thank you for making this clear. I think that's very important um, for a facilitator also how to deal with their own conflict and discomfort when the group has is in conflict with them. Yeah. And we wanted to talk about resolution. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yes. So um, assuming that there's a conflict not between us and the group, but within the group. Yeah. And then you give some, some space. How do you resolve? How do you use the energy that was created through conflict mm -hmm. to then really come to a solution that would bring the group further, that make it grow, develop, solve a problem? Well, I think it's super important to always frame these things. So I would, I would actually, if I sensed something was going on and I wasn't already, you know, bringing up communication styles in the mm -hmm. workshop, mm -hmm. I would basically create some space to say, okay, there's something in this room. There's an opportunity for insight. Mm -hmm. There's an opportunity for clarity and there's an opportunity for creativity. Mm -hmm. So I would give people the space to explore those. So for insights, give people time to themselves to figure out what's going on, right? Maybe people need five, 10 minutes, walk around, journal, mm -hmm. especially if it's mm -hmm. something happening within a team or within a bigger group. Mm -hmm. Second is about clarity, right? So coming back together, let's say that it's a group, you know, we do a lot of work actually when we do culture change workshops, mm -hmm. we have employees and managers and people from all different like levels and departments of organizations coming together mm -hmm. to look at how they work together and then design ideas that actually nudge behavior change, right? Mm -hmm. So this is super, it's already emotional work. Mm -hmm. It's already reflective work. It's already like highly creative stuff so when we do this we there's bound to be people that have either a different impression about what they want to what they think the problem is mm -hmm. or a different idea on the the design of the hack that they want to mm -hmm. do in their organization mm -hmm. so when we we work in small groups and a lot of times you'll see like the problem will arise on two levels. You'll either have way too much consensus building. Mm -hmm. So everybody's being nice. Everybody's denying their own feelings, mm -hmm. but you never get ideas from that. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you have people that are, you know, um, keep arguing or instead of being productive in their mm -hmm. creativity, they're destructive. Mm -hmm. Right. So you give an idea and I say, no, that, that won't work because of blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. Or even too throwing too many ideas in there and not listening to each other. And then that's also 
um, destructive in a way. Yeah, exactly. Because you're not building on each other. Yeah, exactly. I mean, this can even come down to someone, one person in the group is taking all of the space, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They haven't been explicitly nominated as a leader, but they are speaking the most, they're... Uh, directing the conversation, directing the process. And then mm -hmm. this also leads to resentment, right? Mm -hmm. People feel like, okay, how can we have our voices be heard mm -hmm. without interrupting or saying, you know, please, <laughs> please mm -hmm. be quiet and let other people be heard. So I think going back to this sort of conflict resolution, so we have insight, then we have clarity. Mm -hmm. So the importance to come back together as a team mm -hmm. after you've gone off on your own and figured out why do I feel something is not working. Mm -hmm. Coming back as a team and being collectively invested in the team mm -hmm. and the success of the team in order to bring more clarity about this is why this came up for me, or mm -hmm. this is what I really value. Mm -hmm. And this is how I see potential for, um, for creating something new, mm -hmm. creating new energy. And I think we use a lot of structures in our workshops that allow for all voices to be heard, mm -hmm. just built into the structure. Mm -hmm. Uh, we use a lot of work from liberating structures. Mm -hmm. If you're a new workshop facilitator, it's a, it's a great resource. Um, but this, within the exercise itself, it immediately allows for voices yeah. to be brought into the space. So you could use something like that. Um, Would you have a one... Sorry, I didn't yeah. mean to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. Um, but maybe you have one favorite exercise that for you usually works mm. recently i've used the structure called the fishbowl mm -hmm. it's it's really good for big groups and mm -hmm. i think it's one of the more unique exercises but essentially you have uh, a small group of chairs in the middle of a room mm -hmm. maybe between four and six and then you have a larger circle of chairs or people stand around that circle mm -hmm. and I think it's so brilliant because it it allows for very intimate discussion that mm -hmm. goes on within that smaller circle and it still involves the participation and presence of the larger circle. So for example, the way this works is that you have volunteers that go into the inner circle for the first five, six, seven minutes, you always leave an empty chair mm -hmm. in that circle. And then after five or six minutes, you open it up to the group mm -hmm. and people can go into the inner circle and mm -hmm. sit in that empty chair. And then once they do, someone else in that small circle chooses to leave. And everyone around just witnesses and observes, maybe take notes. Yes, And what would be a topic that is then discussed by the inner group? What would you use it, this framework for? It actually, I mean, that's like the brilliant thing about liberating structures because it, it's a dialogue framework. So you can use it for a number of different things. Like last week, we used it in order to come to a shared purpose mm -hmm. 
between 25 people of one major statement Mm -hmm. that these uh, leaders in education wanted to make and wanted to buy into. Mm -hmm. Doing that with 25 people in 10 minutes is super hard. But when you have a structure like like the fishbowl, you allow for that balance of togetherness, Mm -hmm. but not 25 voices coming into the space new person can bring in a new point of view or a new argument make sure that it's heard by everyone and then it's also i can imagine that you save it from derailing because there are all these observers and it's still kind of a safe environment because of the circle the inner and the outer circle that sounds so powerful yeah thank you for sharing you're welcome if you could Finish the sentence. Workshops fail if. <laughs> Workshops fail if expectations and needs of participants are not aligned with the goal of the workshop. And workshops work if? Workshops work if you balance, create a balance between flexibility and structure. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You're welcome. If one listener fell asleep after minute one and just woke up, <laughs> <laughs> what do you want this person to hear and remember? Yeah, I think um, I think what's super important is that people feel heard. Mm. When conflict arises, find an opportunity to give people the space to be heard. Mm-hmm. And regardless of what the outcome is, it is so connecting mm-hmm. for someone to be bring their own feelings or difficult topic that they want to bring up and that you just give them the space mm-hmm. to be heard mm-hmm. and you just hear them and you say, I hear you. And, um, so that, I think that's something super important on the, on the receiving end of conflict or on even as a facilitator, because you're creating space to bring voices into the room. So if you can find ways for people to really feel heard, this relieves a lot of tension and meets a need, a foundational human need. Without being afraid of conflict, but rather see it as an opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. If someone wants to work with you, pick your brain, know more about you, find you, (laughs) connect with you, to you, how can they find you? Yeah, they can um, check out our website. Mm -hmm. It's www.empatico with a K dot org. Um... They can also shoot me an email. I'm meg at empatico.org. Happy to connect through whatever channels make sense. And yeah, I would love, I love these types of conversations. And I think empowering people to make collective behavior change in their organizations is what keeps me going. So, And if, someone wants to experience the empathical method and make um, 
live in a workshop, they can join the Empatico Open, which happens once per month in Amsterdam, right? Yes. So we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, great. Okay. It's the first Thursday of the month, every month. So free event. We care about transforming society as well as organizations. You so. <laughs> so you can be part of it. Yeah, exactly. Join the movement. <laughs> yeah, great. exactly. Thanks, Meg. Thanks, Miriam. This is great. Thank you for staying tuned and listening to the show. I appreciate your attention as I know how busy you are. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and engage by sharing your comments and thoughts and visit workshops.org to download the one-page summary. I'm looking forward to seeing you back at the next episode and I wish you a fruitful day. Thank <laughs> you.